Yo, 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 welcome to another round in the house. We got a, a, a little bit of a change up today. A very special guest, um, uh, football coach Ron Mackey, just has established a fantastic brand. Definitely want to learn a lot from him. Football secrets, the key to unlocking success, talking family, football, coffee, uh, um, sports, fitness, recreation. You have a blog and a website, thefootballsecrets.com. Talking about the spread offense, you're a writer, you're publishing a lot of your material. Welcome. Well, I appreciate you making me sound a lot more interesting than I am. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan as a coach. Um, I, I you know, read your material, I get your insights. So so definitely you've established yourself as, you know, as, as, as you know, credible and confident and, and an expert in many ways. Um, so before we get into some of those things, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you got into coaching and then how you kind of took that next step into like blogging and, and you know, taking another level. Okay. Uh, well, I have been coaching for about 12 years, but I come from a, a coaching family. Uh, my dad's a basketball coach. My aunt's a basketball coach. My cousin is actually was a Division One basketball coach, and now he's up in Tennessee. My father's father was a basketball coach. So I come from a long line of basketball coaches. I'm the black sheep. I, I do football. So I've always been in the coaching realm, and um, I played football. I was really good at football. Not that athletic, but I was smart. I could pick up on things. I played linebacker, and my key to fame is I was able to read both guards and could understand when one pulls where to go. Like that, I always knew that I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the fastest, but I could be the smartest. I could figure out little things and watch a lot of film. So I was one of those guys that – I tell my coach, hey, give me a VHS. I'm dating myself a little bit, but make a copy VHS so I could go home and I can actually study the game plan. And that led in, I played uh, college ball for a year. I tore my arm up, had to get Tommy John surgery. And luckily, my parents pushed me into education. So I had the grades that I could just transition. I still got scholarships and things like that because I had the good grades. Uh, went to school, met my wife there, married her, and this was right. I didn't even want to get into coaching or teaching. I wanted to be a, a computer programmer, and I went to school. Got a, I don't have an education degree. I have a dual bachelor's in mathematics, computer science, and then the Great Recession happened, and nobody was hiring anybody. And I was like, crap, I need to get a job. I just got off of my parents' uh, insurance, so I had no insurance, and luckily – People need math teachers, so I got in teaching and coaching at my uh, alma mater, and that's I've been doing it for 12 years. I started on the defensive side of the ball for three years, and then I was like, you know what? I love defense, but scoring points is just a lot more fun than shutting people out. Uh, there was an opening on the other side of the ball at the same school at running backs. I went there. I really dove into the run game, and I was I taught. This is again me just researching things. And I was able to teach my running backs little keys that they can do coming up with different drills and everything like that. And it was the first time in 20 years at the school that we had two, two uh, guys both rush for a thousand yards. I'm not saying I did it. I wasn't running. Uh, we had a really good offensive line, but I gave them little tips and nuances that they could use that applied to the game. And I got my break at offensive coordinator because we destroyed a team one year running the ball and that defensive coordinator became a head coach, and he reached out to me. I was like, hey, I like what your running backs are doing. Do you want to be the head coach? And I was like, yes. Little did he know he thought he was getting a running first type of coach. Hell no, I like to throw the ball. <laughs> so uh, that's how I got my foot in the door as offensive coordinator, and I've been doing that for the past six years now. Awesome. 
Awesome. Um, he, I mean, you've you've definitely established. I I came to know your brand and and what you do through through Twitter, and and you know a lot of the you know the comments and feedback interactions you have with other coaches as well as your own philosophy and uh, you, know, you know offensive scheme you know schema um, those types of things. So tell me a little bit about that transition from from coming into coaching having a, a knack for it. But then really developing yourself as an expert, because I think that transfers outside of just just, you know, sports. And a lot of my my uh, listeners are, are writers or they're into other things. And just the process of like, how do you learn more about something? I like to tell I, I don't feel as if I'm an expert. I just feel like I am uh, a little bit more addicted to certain topics that I'm allowed to go deeper in. I know that's a fancy way an expert but I to me the experts like high academia where I do have glasses but like the really nerdy glasses with a, a suit and I talk down I'm always learning I tell everybody that I that I meet that I'm smart enough to know I'm not smart meaning I, the more I learn the more I realize holy pardon my friendship I don't know something so I need to go and and research it even more and I forget who, I want to say it's Einstein, the quote that, or maybe Richard Feldman, uh, if you can't teach it to a six-year-old, you don't know the subject well enough. And I, I personally believe in that. Like if I, I do a lot of these interviews or put stuff out on YouTube and everything like that, not to you know build a brand or anything like that, I find that when I spit it back out, it helps me learn more because that's the easiest way to learn something. Mm. You know, hey, I learned something. Now I'm going to see if I can't teach you about the material as well. And sometimes I fall flat on my face. And I'm like, crap, you don't learn it good enough, so let's go back and do it again over and over again. And that's how I fell into the passing. I love passing. I've always, when you become an offensive coordinator, you want to run the offense that, if you're on the defensive side of the ball, gave you the most trouble. So for me, the wing team never gave me trouble when I played or coached against it because it's really simple. Read the damn guards. They take you wherever you want to go. And if they start influence blocking, well, now they're playing in a realm that they're not really used to. So now it's like a game of chicken. Can we stop them before they stop us type deal? But I won the state championship my 11th grade year, and we played against the team. This was right – I'm dating myself – right when the spread started to take off. Four wide, kind of a little bit of stuff. That was the toughest game I've ever faced. Yes, they were good, but it was the scheme. I remember they finally blitzed me. I'm running through the line. No one touched me. And at that time, I'm like, holy crap, I'm amazing. I'm gonna... And then it was a slow running back screen right behind me that they went for 77 yards. Mm-hmm. And I went, I didn't know that. They were doing play actions where I would step up and then throwing slants right behind me. And I went, I want to know that offense. Because that offense gave me trouble when I played. And one night, how I got in the air raid. Uh, did you ever watch 24? The um, the show, Jack like Bauer? the countdown, Jack yeah. Bauer? Yeah, yeah, of course, yep. Okay, so this was back when Blockbuster was still a thing, and they did this thing where you could pay like $25 a month or something like that in unlimited exchanges. So it was kind of like Netflix before Netflix took mm-hmm. off. And my roommate and I, we, we split that. We're like, let's do this so we can, we can do it. And we went on a 24-minute. We, we literally didn't go to class for a week. We weren't on any drugs or anything. We were just hooked on the show. Mm-hmm. And it ended on a Saturday night. And it was like season three or four. The show ended. We couldn't go back and get, you know, the next season because we finally caught up. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm not getting up to change the channel. 
whatever comes on, that's what we're going to watch. And he was like, okay, bet. So we played chicken. And here's, again, and then all of a sudden, Mike Leach and Texas Tech came on. That was the first time I was ever introduced. And they were just throwing the ball everywhere mm-hmm. and scoring points. And I looked to my roommate, my buddy of mine, who went to high school, and I went, this is amazing. Like, you could do, because usually it's in the eye, and you're handing the ball off, and the, the most physical dominant team is winning, and it's kind of boring. But, I mean, they're throwing it all over the place, having fun, calling the same plays. I was like, I want to know more about that. And then that's where I dove into the internet, message boards, going, trying to go to clinics, and just trying to learn and write it down. And that's, I feel like I'm rambling, but that's where I've got everything at. Well, I think you bring you bring me to a, a real like touch point between doing the research to build up your expertise, but you, you and this is common, this is common when, when you know, teaching, there's, there's levels upon levels of, of, of growth. Right. So like you may not see yourself as an expert, but there are people who are just coming into coaching, who are just trying to develop an offense, who are hanging on to your your knowledge and developing their own systems, crafts, coaching style based on your expertise that you have established thus far for yourself. Now, you might have higher levels. What is what does that feel like? You know, as you're blogging or kind of like, um. You know, as you start establishing a blog, as you start writing the material, what kind of gives you that confidence to say, you know what, you should try this? Um, what, me, like, influencing people? Like, what gave me my confidence? Yeah, like, I think it's a really tough thing as a creator, as a creator, to um, find that balance where, where you're, you're a learner, but then you also want to speak with confidence and have people listen to you. Right. How do you you have to walk in, into that space with some confidence and, and some diction, some vocabulary? Some... Well, again, for me, going back to it, I was actually writing to understand it myself. And um, if people I, I truly what holds, I think, a lot of people back is that. fear. Like, what if people find out I'm full? I'm, I'm full of it. Uh, I'm not going to put this out. And this goes for everything. I'm videos, books, screenplays. Any creative outlet, you're always afraid of what other people are thinking. And I really didn't care. I was just writing it. I really believe that if you write to to remember and try to teach somebody, that's how you can re- reinforce what you know. So I was writing everything out. And the reason why I started doing that is when I was first starting out, my head coach, huge bully. I'm thankful he gave me my first start, but he was a huge bully. I would not pee on him if he was on fire in the middle of the street. Can't stand him. One of those guys. Uh, I presented an idea to him that I thought would work based on what happened the previous game, and he told me in front of the entire coaching staff, uh, sit there, shut up, you're just be thankful you're on the staff. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, uh, if I'm ever in a position to learn something new, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, if I can impact just one person. It would it would be great. So that's why I started writing out, and then I found that when you're writing for yourself or just a person of one, that's when it starts to build. Mm. And that's how you know I got into people actually follow me. I still can't believe like people listen to me. Well, oh my goodness, that's so interesting to hear because like as I'm, I started following when you were real early, like as the videos got more polished. Like your, you know, your 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 language and, and you know philosophy just got 
more and more uh, palatable where I was like, oh, I can actually take that to my next to my next practice. Right. It was, it was very, very accessible. Um, and I think you have to have a level of expertise to to do that effectively. Right. You have to be able to teach it to a six year old back to being able to teach it to a six year old as you as you start to clarify then your audience gets to gets to transition into your world a little bit and and, ex, and experience that with you. Um, what what was the decision to like really stamp it, you know, to 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 you know brand it? You said that wasn't really your intention, but you've done it effectively now. What was some real like um, practical things and tangible things you did to grow your brand? Um, first off, I got to give so much credit to Joe Daniel. He was a sounding board for me, and I mean, we all kind of do it. You can see it now. He started with Joe Football, Joe Daniel Football. Now everyone's first name, last name, football. Like uh-huh. we all copied the Godfather. And I, I, I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, I, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Is that okay? Because I don't want to. Like you've given back so much to coaches with your podcast and everything. I don't want to piss you off. I know that kind of sounds weird. You know, everyone's in the opera." Uh, entrepreneurial journey is like uh effort uh, just do you get yours and i was like no i don't want to kind of do that because he didn't he was like yeah this is that's fine I, I he said he would actually like more football coaches to do it so then he could actually talk to more people and he was doing it kind of from a selfish uh perspective but i was like that that's freaking awesome so i went ron Mackey football and i realized um as weird as it sounds i didn't really want my name on it because it's not, it's not my football. Like I'm stealing ideas from everybody else. And I was like, you know what? Let's kind of rebrand and just do football secrets. Cause everyone's got a secret. Everyone has that little, little thing that they can share that will help somebody else's offense do better or program. Cause I've had defensive guys on and offensive guys or whatever. And I, so that's the first thing. And then how I got branding, I, I tell everybody, I just kind of fell backwards into this. I, I started – the reason why I went on YouTube in the first place is because uh, my wife gave me a GoPro for – so I could do the bootleg VR on GoPro because I didn't have $800 to get the VR goggles and everything. And my daughter was just born, and it was my turn to put her to sleep. And my daughter was – she was a horrible sleeper when she was young, my baby. And we would wrestle, and I would get keyed up, she would get keyed up. So when I finally put her to sleep, I was still keyed up, and – on my bucket list, I decided I want to just upload one YouTube channel, just a video to a channel. That's that's it. And I was like, screw it. Why not now? So I got my GoPro, put it on. You can still see it. It's the an oldest video on my channel. I got a whiteboard, put it in my lap, and we were running a one-back power RPO. It's my first year as OC. I was like, I bet someone else out there would like to know how this is. So I did it. I mean, it was awful. You can see the reflection. It was like Cloverfield. It was shaking. But I uploaded it. I, I named it. I stumbled upon how to name it. I was like, "What well, if I was to search this, what would I type as the search? Just one back power RPO. Put it out there. And then it just caught fire. Mm-hmm. And then I had people commenting. I was like, oh, crap, they like this. Well, I did it at a two by two. Let me show them how I do it at a three by one. Did it again. Took off. I was like, okay, well, we do it at a two back with motion. Let me show that. And then it evolved in th- into that. And I always say you want to be 1% better. So I was always trying to do 1% better over and over again. And, I mean, the brand just took – I don't know the first thing about brand colors. I don't know the first thing about anything when it comes to branding as a form of marketing. Mm-hmm. 
the only thing is I know that I'm simple, so I'm going to build whatever it is I do around simplicity. Yeah. I know that probably wasn't a good answer, but that's that's kind of how it went. It, it was, and I think there are a lot of parallels between writing, publishing. I think a lot of things you're talking about go outside of just the niche of, of, of football um, because there, there are a lot of writers who who hesitate. There's a lot of creators, singers who hesitate because they feel like they're not ready. And I think you just showed, um, you know, the, the process of it. It's not you're going to do your first YouTube video when it's perfect, when you have a crew, a video crew, an editing crew. <clears throat> yeah, you're not going to be Mr. Beast, so it, don't even try. You know, your you first, know? if you're not Mr. Beast, a lot of people feel like if you're not Mr. Beast right out the gate, you should wait. And I, I really want to empower and I think you're empowering creators to feel like you know what let me try let me learn on the job and that's usually how you pick up any expertise so. right um, how important was being in a niche offense spread you know certain types of plays how important was that in your growth very very important um, I'm able to branch out out and do different things but when I started I was I was like the top the tip of the triangle Inver, or inverted pyramid. I was, I was right there. I was so. If we broke it down, it was football. This next niche is is offense. The next niche is spread, and the next niche was high school. So I was in a niche within a niche within a niche, and it was easier to find me. I created. I don't know if you know the term, my own blue ocean. Like nobody was in there. It was just me. I hit it at the right time because not that many people were doing this. My chair always does that, and I feel like I'm about to fall on my butt. Uh, yeah. And then once I built up a base, then I could kind of branch out a little bit. Like, okay, so we did spread air raid. Let's do spread wing T or spread uh, how to stop the spread with defense, and I was able to grow and grow out a little bit like that. But being in the small niche that I am, I don't – see myself getting like a thousand subscribers or hitting that million mark because it is a it, it's a very small community like if i was to break out of that and be like jt o'sullivan at the qb school or brett coleman who breaks down nfl films i would be doing something that doesn't help youth middle and high school coaches like that's not my wheelhouse so there is that little bit where okay i'm gonna niche down and i'm gonna be the best the big fish in this pond but you, you still look and you're like well i, I really He's got 150,000 subscribers, and he gets that cool YouTube button. You know, you gotta you gotta beat that that ego aside and go. What? Why are you really doing this? You're not doing it to be the biggest one because, let's be honest, there's not that many football coaches, and it's a dying little breed too, mm -hmm. like the niche. So, just go out there and every video that I do, if it's a short, I've been kind of getting into that. We can talk about that later if you want to. TikToks and shorts and stuff like that. That's mm -hmm. that's fun, and that allows me to break down a play. But then I also try to tie it back into offense or to high school. Like, hey, here's a cool college play. You can kind of do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then the, those long-form videos, it's like, okay, how can I help one person? How can I help Coach Curtis right now if he's into this? And then I put it out there. If it hits, great. If it doesn't, uh, well, I, I tried. Why didn't it do well? And let's see if I can get better. Mm. But um, it, go ahead. carry on what you're saying. The niche, when you niche down, then you can be in because that's the only thing that you do. So I'm sorry. I've, I've, no, I, but I've always felt like that. Like, um, even when when I my first year as a DB coach, I played four years of college football, 
I that was the only position I played. I, I moonlighted as a running back my senior year in Division Three, but I felt like when I got to my first position, I knew more about corner than anybody else on the on the staff. So I feel like if the co- if this topic started moving towards what a corner was going to do, I felt like I should have the floor, even being a young you know the youngest one on the staff and 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 you know not having to create those spaces to advocate. Um, I felt like I could get into this subject deeper than than the head coach and the O line coach, and 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 that's kind of where the confidence starts to build just from what you know, right? Speaking of coaching and like what people know, what was was there any like pushback? What was the feedback? Um, give me the good and the bad, like and and how it affected your growth, how it affected how you adjust your material. You mean like all the stuff like a, like a, like um you know. You get responses where it's like, ah, oh, you know, that's never going to work, or you know, the defensive coach is like, oh, I'd stop that easy, um, you know. But you get that, and I was lucky enough, I was or smart enough to, if I talked about something, I would show film and show that it did. Mm. Uh, and then you know, you got those internet gurus that be like, well, we can we can run this this and this. I'm like, that's great. Uh, block because. <laughs> I, I really think, and this almost got me in trouble at, at, when I was teaching the, teaching the stuff. I, I don't understand the concept of cyberbullying because it's really easy to go, oh, that's a troll. I'm going to block them. And then that's it. They're, they're out of my mind. I don't really care. So when I would get people like that in my comments and stuff, I liked it first off because that's engagement. And, mm-hmm. you know, on YouTube, they're like, oh, this person's engaging. Let's keep promoting it. So, it's kind of the old adage, uh, all news is good news, mm-hmm. <laughs> or bad news is good news. So every time they would leave a bad comment, I would just comment, okay, kind of feeding into them, because then they would go, I literally, no lie, man, would get like War and Peace style comments. I'm like, <laughs> someone actually sat there and watched a video and typed out like eight paragraphs worth of stuff. If you, if you truly believe I sit there and read all eight paragraphs, <laughs> I just I just go, cool. So I, you've got to have that thought of I don't care what other people think the keyboard warriors because they're not really putting anything out there they don't have any skin in the game a lot of them are just like fans that knows Nick Saban's terminology and stuff can it be stopped by Saban hell yeah I'm 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 a little tadpole compared to him like I'm not trying to compete against the brilliant minds I'm competing against a guy that's just like me on the other sideline a father of two uh, teaching 12 hours a day and then coaching like that. That's my wheelhouse. I'm not teaching or coaching against an SEC demigod mm-hmm. that has five star athletes. Everywhere. That's just not what I do. So I really didn't pay them any money. Mm. Um, how does how do you like like as as you're as you're getting out there, your brand is growing. Like, tell me what like what is what is your biz? Have you turned coaching into a business? Yeah, you're writing PDFs. I have. You have. I have. Tell me, like, yeah. tell me a little bit about that process and what you, what the what your football business looks like. Um, I have a group of coaches that I actually we we meet together. It's called the Touchdown Lab, um, and we meet twice a month and we go over deep dive into their offense and how we can simplify their offense. And that's the thing. I'm not saying, hey, run my offense. Like this is Ron Mackey's offense. You got to run it. There's different people that do that you know you got the wing t guys the spread guys the single wing guys and they're all like run my stuff and i used to do that but 
now I'm like, that kind of takes away from we get into coaching to actually put our own stamp on things. I don't get into coaching to run, you know, Mike Leach's offense. I, I, I like it and he influences me, but I'm not I'm not Mike Leach. I'm Ron Mackey, so I like to do a couple of things. And within the touchdown lab, I believe that every offense is effective. It doesn't matter what you run. It's just that you don't simplify it. We all have that more and more and more mentality. And what we do is we sit there and we actually dive into your data. Hey, what's working for your offense? What's not working? Let's cut the stuff that's not working and triple down on what is working. Mm. And I give uh, clinic talks. I can bring other coaches in to talk about things. I'll be like, hey, let's talk about the wide zone. And I go to my, my boy, Nick Kadoo. I'm like, hey, I got a couple coaches. You mind coming over here and talking for five minutes? He's like, yes. So that's how it does. I sell books and I sell memberships and all of that is on the back end of email. If you're not, if you're an author or comic book writer or something, you don't have an email list, you're at a huge disadvantage because that's where you build connection. That's so powerful. And that's something that me and me and our company at Royal House is like, is like at the forefront. Like we have all these emails, uh, you know, there's several of us. So we all have our own email like following and i was just talking to the team like and if we if we are really serious about this and we consolidate all of our emails and and you get out, out of this fear of like like um telling people what you do like how many people on your email list would you be scared to say i write a comic book or i have a, a coaching blog a lot of people are scared to put themselves yeah. out there like that. They're like, I don't want to tell my auntie that I, she's not going to like it. And they start kind of qualifying like, oh, my. I learned this a while ago. Um, one, of, one of those random like Facebook uh, uh, sponsored ads. And he was like, you have hundreds of contacts in your phone. All who know you. If you're doing something, if you're going to a new venture, text everybody. Don't leave anybody out. Tell them all what you're doing. Those are they know you somehow. Six degrees of separation. That's your first market. And it's the same thing with email lists. Do you use like a certain, you know, um, uh, software or, or like, you know, company that helps you like filter that? Do you do your own data entry? What is, what is the, oh, the mechanism? Well, I could talk. I could talk all day for you. And in fact, you're the first. Uh, I'm pivoting. I pivoted. I, I'm still coaching, but I'm not teaching anymore. I'm an email marketer. I got a job at an email uh, agency writing emails because I, I, found that I love email. So when I first started out, I used uh, AWeber. Then after that, it was ConvertKit. Then it was Drip. And now me being a, a nerd, I have built my own email list inside of my um, my site. So everything's in-house. But there, I mean, there's so much stuff that you can do out there. For creators, I would, I would really recommend uh, ConvertKit. It's really simple. It integrates with a lot of different websites. So, if you like, if you have a software that got a membership, like people sign up, and then you can tag them. And every month, when you come out with a new comic book, you can send them the digital copy. Takes care of that. Uh, I mean, if you want, we can talk about emails later. I could help you and your company out if you wanted to. Because here's here's the crazy thing: is I started my email list. I love copywriting. No one gets into copywriting on their. No one goes to school is like you know what I'm doing. You kind of fall backwards into. So to talk about business and everything, and I'll tie this all together. Uh, I started having when I was growing. I had a lot of people in the comments asking, "Hey, do you have a book? Do you have a book about the spread offense? How you run it and stuff like that?" And I was like, "Oh, 
when a lot of people are asking you something, that's a sign that, oh, maybe I have something I can sell. And then I was like, how, did, how, how am I going to sell this? And I, and I typed in Google, how to sell things online. <laughs> mm-hmm. And copyright came up. And I was like, what is copyright? And it's essentially writing a sales page or something like that. Like, it's marketing, how to get people to buy stuff through writing. And there was a course. And I'm always about, hey, if I don't, like I said, uh, I'm smart enough to know I'm not smart. And sure, you can find a lot of things. You can find everything on the internet, but the one thing you can't get back is time. You can always make the money back somewhere, somehow. Money is it's the abundant mindset. Money is always coming back, but time never does. It's the one thing everybody has in common. Can't buy that back. And I'm a big uh, proponent of let me buy a course or something so I can shrink that time. Mm-hmm. And I bought a copywriting course, how to copyright. So I'm doing that, and all of a sudden I realized email copy within that course is like, Hey, this up, my buddy has an email copying course. And through that, I was like, Oh, I've learned about email copy. So I, I built a list, gave it out there. And through that list though, in three or four years, I have gotten contact with a financial advisor. I've written copy for him and made him money. I've worked for e-com brands because there, you would think everybody is on a football list is just football coaches and teachers. No football transcends everything. So everybody in every different walks of life love football, and they just happen to be on my list. So when I send out something like, hey, I'm doing email copy. Does anybody want to do any? I've had like six or seven jobs just on that alone through the list. So what I'm trying to say is get an email list mm-hmm. like everybody needs to. To me, the email list is now the new blog. Yeah. No one really goes and reads blogs that more or less they're one of the big. The big. But everyone, if you can get in that email – I bet you you have the same email address that you've always had. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do, too. I've changed phone numbers. I've changed social media handles. I've never changed my email. I have the same email I've had in college mm-hmm. because everything is tied to that. So if you can get in and build that relationship with a person through their email, then creating and sustaining a business is really simple because you have that relationship, especially now. I mean, we're so relationship-starved. and. It, I mean, I, I think you're, you bring me back to, uh, one, some real practical things you can do as, as a content creator. But then you also are, are keeping this in my mind where it's like, it's, it's, you've grown your brand and your, your following through like a service mindset. Yes. You know, how do I help other coaches like me? How do I, if somebody's putting in an offense, how can whatever I know help them? Um, how do I take what I know as far as copywriting and extend it out there? I'm not selling people. I'm offering a service. If they come to me, there's an exchange of, of value um, that helps them. I think a lot of content creators skip that part and they just want to sell. It's like, hey, come come, you know, yeah. buy this. And there, there's not this, this service uh, uh, um, component to it that's missing. Is there any like follow up or like what are some of the feedback you've had from coaches that appreciate or like, hey, I took your material and we won a championship or hey, I took your material and we cleaned up. Uh, Tell me about some of that, about some of that. I've had coaches. uh, Some of the big stuff is one is a coach that I helped. That was a ninth, a nine year old youth coach that put in a modified version of my two back offense. One a lot of games and catapulted himself into being the offensive coordinator at a high school level because the coach saw what he was doing and liked that. I had another guy in the TD lab that won a state championship the very first year. He was a head coach, 
do what we did. Another uh, TD Lab member it just got his first uh, head coaching job because of the offense that they said that we helped him create. It was his offense. It wasn't mine. We just simplified it and tweaked a couple of things, and it took off. And I really I like sharing those out because I first it, it, it validates. Hey, if you simplify, you can actually get a lot better. Mm-hmm. And then two, it's I like with my platform. I, I I write emails about it. Yes, they help me, but also I'm showing coaches that hey, this is what happened. I'm I'm bragging about coaches, to other coaches, mm-hmm. and everyone likes that. So that is what I like to do because at the end of the day, I mean this. If you really boil down it, boil it down logically, this is a really stupid job. Like the amount of hours we put in, the amount of time we're away from our own families to help someone else raise their family mm-hmm. for peanuts on the dollar. I mean, it's it's not a good <laughs> job. Monetarily, I, no, it doesn't make yeah, sense. No, no, not at all. But if I can help, you know, other coaches learn from one another, and then I've helped connect coaches. They're building relationships together, and I'm just like that. Is, that is awesome because again, it's the service mindset. Um, trust takes a very long time to get, and very easy to get rid. Of, like to to have people not trust you. Like you can't build that up once you once you screw somebody over. Yeah. They may forgive you, but they'll never forget. I don't care. I don't care what they say. So I want people to trust me, and then I want to show proof that hey, this does work. It's not a get rich quick scheme. I'm not trying to screw you over. And then also, I if, if for any reason, I have like a 100, uh, 200% guarantee. I've had people be like, hey, I've, I've bought something from you. It's worked, but I've fallen on hard times. Can I get that money back? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, because I know that's going to, psychologically, they're going to be like, oh, when I do come back into the money and I'm still in this, I remember Ron and what he's done. I'm going to go pay him back and then where mouth spreads like, hey, this guy's really good. You should listen to him and stuff like that. That's just the way. You got to play the long game. A yeah. lot of people are too short-minded. You got to yeah. play the long game. And the longer out you can stretch your horizon, uh, Alex Ramosi, someone I follow, says the longer the, the uh, horizon, the bigger the plan that you can learn. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Well, you know, in, in sales, it's like, you know, the, the, the easiest client is, is retention. To keep a client that you've already got, the hardest client is to go, you know, go out cold call. Yeah, a new one. The second best client is the referral. Yes. You know what I mean? So, so like service, uh, um, being accessible, being flexible um, are ways to actually grow your following. And a lot of people don't don't do that. I was just I was talking to interacting with somebody on, on the Internet today. It was like. No, I'm posting and nobody's fault. Nobody's following or watching my podcast. And I'm like, how many times do you call the number that somebody left on your on your car window when you went for lunch? Like never. You throw that thing right into the <laughs> into the trash, right? Yeah. Like you know, yeah. if, if if that person um, different situation, you know, you you see somebody and you're like, oh, you're reading something. What are you reading about? I see you're reading a football book. I see you're watching football. Hey, I'm a football coach. Uh, what do you like? What's your favorite team? You start asking questions. And then you find that rhythm to say, oh, like, hey, watch my blog. If you're coaching, you know, you're interested in that stuff, you might. So so there's that, again, that service, that um, that opening of, of, of yourself outside of just the sale. Um, I do want to transition into, into a funner football conversation. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I want to start off uh, with you, like, if you're playing, what are the things you like now? What are some of the plays you're grabbing to? gravitating to with your team currently um and why 
I, I stick with the same ones. I love stick and wire cross and slow screens and, and shallow screens and shallow cross because those are easy to throw. It's it's in my wheelhouse. I understand how to coach them, what to teach the quarterback, what to look for. Inside those plays, you also have you give the kids freedom to kind of freestyle within a certain parameter or guidelines. And I find that if you jump from play to play year to year, um, they don't get the reps they need in order to be a master. So I kind of I stick within my wheelhouse, man. Like I, I I don't change that much because it's very difficult to watch something on TV or go to a forty-five minute clinic, learn the ins and outs, and then apply it. Because what you're missing on the TV is first off, how do they rep it? How do they practice it? What is the coach looking? And then if you get enough information or just a little bit of information of the clinics, you you don't know the if-thens. Like, okay, this is a great play. What, what do you do after the defense catches on and they stop it? Because, you know, any good coach worth his salt always has something in his back pocket, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of whether it's offense or defense. You know, I mean, if you're a defensive coach and you're cover three and they keep hitting the flat, well, then you're going to go three cloud. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to roll that corner down and – Thank yeah. you, six, right yeah. there. So you have something in your back pocket, and I find that in the clinics, and this is why I like kind of what we do in the TD lab is, you know, we, we talk and discuss, and then when coaches have something, and I don't know the answer, and I tell them, hey, I don't know, but I know someone who does, so let me go ask them. We are learning the, the if-thens. That's, that's the mad. I would think in football, what many people don't – we're always looking for that magical bullet. It's not the offense. It's, it's the play-calling thinking. It's the if-thens that once you figure it out, you're, you're gold. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I'm still doing the same thing. Still doing the same thing. I, I, I have taken and have retained mesh as a very important uh, uh, offensive concept. And I'm, I'm hiring a new offensive coordinator, but he's going to have to run mesh. <laughs> it, 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 and if, if you get it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's great. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted like like so me like I'm I'm a defensive mind, and and we won our league championship six to nothing in overtime, and like hey, what? The, it's like talking about like niche, niches. Um, there is a, a different train of thought from offensive mind to defensive mind. I haven't found that transition to easily like go poke my head in the offensive huddle and like feel like I got the answer because I'm the head coach. I really like. I can't remove myself from a more conservative, defensive-minded game. I'm like, dude, we'll, we'll put you right on the goal line. Just don't turn it over. Just don't don't give up a pick six. Like, my, our our game on our side of the ball will will prevail. Um, how confident are you on on that side? Where you're like, man, you are not going to outscore us. Um, um, I, think, I think you got to. Like offensively, I know every time. This is how weird I am. Every play I call, I think should be a touchdown. Like, it doesn't matter if it's just a simple dive. Like, that should have popped. Because I feel as if I know what I'm doing and I'm calling the right play. Just on the flip side, I know defensive coaches, you're like, every every time I call a defense, the offense should either be tackled for no gain or it should be either a turnover or tackle for loss. Because I know what I'm doing. And we're delusional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think you kind of, to be in this game, you kind of got to have that kind of oxy, that swagger, that, I know what I'm doing. The other coach, even though, you know, realistically, he's just as smart or maybe even smarter than you. But in our 
delusional side of things. Like, that coach is an idiot. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the hell he's doing. I'm yeah. going to wax that guy. I know exactly what you mean. I'm looking for openings all over the place, and I'm telling my, yeah. my kids where they're at. Like, they're bigger than us. Oh, man, those guys are slow. Wait till the second quarter. Those guys are going to be slow. Uh, they got a good quarterback. And they don't have good receivers. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we're going to blitz them. Make them throw it to one of these little receivers. They got a a big receiver. Let's double them. Make them run it. So I'm always feeling, I I agree. Like, but, but it's also tapering, tapering because like, if they get a first down, it was likely a mistake. Missed tackles, my blown, you know, blown coverage, didn't drive. But then there's also a, like, I've only developed them to that level of execution too. So I really can't be mad at, the guy that lost contain i either didn't instruct it well enough or i need another guy that's ready you know or or ability to to continue to learn past the game so i'm never like um and this i think culture wins out over plays over play by play so like the culture i I, I would disagree with you and again this is this is me i don't have any head coaching experience this Mm -hmm. is just from being really close to the head coach i've been around teams that culture sucks mm-hmm. sucks like the players are running and i have heard from uh other successful teams where players run it it's just that those players are really good so they they could run it and they were running everybody else off the field mm-hmm. um i think it's more comes down to jimmy and joe's i don't know how things are in california with you but here in south carolina everybody's recruiting yeah like re- recruiting bad and um for instance, uh, the team that won the state championship in my classification had our quarterback. They recruited our quarterback to come to school. And then the running back who's going to Georgia State, uh, they recruited from another school. So it's like a charter school, but they're able to recruit. And they were, it was an all-star team. Like They literally walked out there. I think the smallest guy on the offensive line was 6'4". Mm-hmm. And they were awful. Like the coach, they they could the players could do whatever they wanted, and the coach didn't give a shit because they were winning. Mm. And I I honestly think sometimes we as coaches we have to internalize. It's going to give me trouble. Uh, we'd like to think that culture will beat a, a, a team, but that's just our delusional self to say, hey, we just our guys just don't match up. Yeah, I think it's like expectations, too, because I think a lot of coaches like they'll go against the all the all star team. We we're you know, third, fourth place. Um, you're right. Due to our, you know, our, our, our Joes, like who, who we have in, in many ways. But like I've did as a head coach, I've dealt with this a lot with younger coaches or just like coaches that have a different mindset. Like there's some magic play. There's some like something, some preparation, magic preparation we're going to do in a week to overcome the Joes. You know, we can't guard you at any spot across 11, but, you know, the coaches in my ear like, man, we need to just do this. This play is going to like, it's going to, it's going to take more than that, sir. And uh, maybe our expectation is to get into the playoffs this year. (laughs) And and it's really hard for coaches to do that. And if you haven't done this, you're lying or you haven't. We have played a team that won the state championship went undefeated. This was like maybe my fourth year. And as a coaching staff on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball, we were like, can we keep it within 30? That's it. I mean, these guys legit. We're like, can we keep it under 30? If we keep it under 30, it was going to be a moral victory. Of course we did. And they skunked us by 65 because Mm -hmm. they were just, 
freaking unbelievable. But I, like you said, a lot of young coaches are like, oh, we can beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, if we run this one play or this one blitz or we do this, if we onside kick it all the time instead of kicking it to them, it's like, <laughs> no, man. Their guys are a lot better than us. This isn't college. You know, college you can kind of – it's closer because they can recruit and everything like this. But some some areas and, and schools always have those guys. And some schools, you know, their talent level goes like this, hit or miss. And you may be on the downslope, but they're, they're still all the way up here. And it's mm-hmm. just – Those are some hard conversations to have with a staff and, like – you can never. It's tough. It's a tough balance because you can never express that to your kids, right? You always because we. I live on the upset. I live on the upset. We won league. It was the first time in twenty years that we won league. I can tell you the team that we beat had way more athletes than us, way more athletes than us. Um, so I, 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 I do think there's this like range of whether you just have if you're recruiting and that's your culture, your recruiting program. I think that's part of your culture, right? You're just going to go get the best players. You're going to skip that that team building and bonding. You don't care if they show up to practice because they're going to come in and just be the best player on the field. Now, when you go against the team that matches you, then culture becomes then a, a higher factor in, in who's winning, right? If you if you have a good matchup, playoff caliber team, you know, uh, you know, across the board, there's not really any like mismatches. Then, how does your offense separate itself? How does your expertise separate itself in that situation? I'm just hoping that we have repped it enough that we're in the system for so long and done it a lot longer than the three days that the defense has tried to recreate it. Mm-hmm. That's essentially have we practiced enough that we're, we're good enough or have we done what a lot of coaches do and decided to add like 18 different things throughout mm-hmm. the week. And we focused practice time on that and then when the game comes, we're actually calling – our normal everyday stuff, but we haven't repped it enough because we've been repping the stupid stuff that we think is the magic bullet. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Ooh, I'm, are are you ready for an offense versus defensive game? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and concede. <laughs> All right, so here's here's the perimeter. Here are the parameters, and I I'm I'm actually uh, developing a philosophy of game theory to football. Okay. So I, I that is actually my coaching philosophy. So I don't yell at kids um, because I don't feel like they respond very, you know, or I don't do it as a, a rhythm. I don't allow my coaches to do it. So if you coach in my program and you feel like I'm a fiery coach, I'm telling you, like, don't be out here yelling at it. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> you know, find a way to, to be constructive. And like, uh, uh, so there are some things that like um, I think affect our our actual play and our execution. Um, another part of game theory is like, uh, you know, just playing to your strengths, you know, uh, taking what you can do, but also a lot of autonomy from the players. So I think discipline is a function of the of the re- accountability you allow somebody to place on you. Not so much a function of fear or, con- you know, of, of compelment, of, of punishment. I think those are the type of cultures that really thrive uh, with with player agency. So but here's the game. We're, we're even. Our players are even. We're even, you know, just midfield. Let's say you're 40. Um, first and 10. Uh, so me defensively, I like to call or have, have um, the defense kind of react to the formation and personnel. So I'll know that's not something that you can hide from me effectively. I know from the booth whether you have 10 personnel, 21 personnel. How that, 
just go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, you know, if you're a 10 personnel spread, I'm expecting I'm going to be coming out and probably first down, general cover four. If you're two by two, I'll probably roll down to cover three if you end up in trips. What's your play first down? First down, middle of the field. Um, and tell me who you're reading. Like, give me give me the if, when of it. So, I'll so. probably just two by two stick. What's the stick for people that don't know? What are the routes? Uh, if we're if if we're working from right to left, VR, uh, the outside right receiver runs a mandatory outside release go. The slot runs a four step hitch. Uh, the back runs a shoot. The slot on the left runs a one step slant. And then the L outside receiver runs a three step hitch. So the if win for us if we're in cover four. Um, we're likely giving up the flats. I'm not expecting my corner to pick. If we're even, I'm not even expecting him to maybe get a handle. I'm expecting him to tackle it on on contact. So maybe four to five yard gain, depending on if you got full depth and if he came back to the ball for the catch. I, I can see the flat being open. I really stress holding the insides. So if, if we give up the slant, I'm feeling like we made a mistake. But I'm conceding the flat. Um from the outside guy or the flare from the running back. So let's say four to five yard gain, second and let's say four yard gain on first down. This is a success for you. Second and six. I run the same thing. Well, I'd likely take away the flat on second and six. I, I'm going to force you to to play a deeper game just because now that's going to put us in a, essentially a third and long if you don't connect on a deep play. So expect cover two if you're in that same two by two. Expect, uh, expect us to roll if you go cover three. What's your play, second and six? No, I'm serious. I'll probably run the same exact play to the left, and hopefully my quarterback makes the, the progression. See, this is the beautiful thing is I don't know what the hell you're going to do, mm-hmm. like, at all. So when I call a play, I'm hoping to God the plays that I've installed and I've repped with my quarterback enough that he can understand it and he knows where to go. There's, a, there's always going to be something open. And, you know, I'm an offense, so if you cover everybody, well, shit, I've got a very fast quarterback, and he's just going to scramble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like that kind of game. That's um, the tough thing about spread, man. I really hate going against the spread. Um, I hate yeah. it even more if the quarterback – If he can scramble, he doesn't have to be fast. If, if he can has a savvy enough to, to escape the pocket and get three yards when it should have been – Five yards, yeah, because defense coordinators hate that. Like yeah. that's – even if it's not a long – gain and this is what I try to tell my quarterbacks if you scramble I'm not asking you to break it off like Lamar Jackson and just you know do something unbelievable everybody's like oh my god it's like no just get like three or four yards fall Mm -hmm. down I tell my guys fall down like don't take hits run out of bounds fall down because defensive coordinators can't stand that because now they're like oh crap I need to have someone to spot this guy because he can scramble and then when they spy well then someone else is going to be open because of that so let's say um, it's second and six. You're running the same play. Talk me through the if then versus a, a different defense. So now I'm cover two. I'm pressing your. I'm pressing your, your outside guys. We're going to challenge a little bit more. The goal is to try to th- make you throw over us on a, on such a mid down because I think the percentages decrease as you as you, the further you go up the field. Um, I still want to take away the inside. I'm probably coach. You know, seeing this, I'm seeing the same. No formation. What they what they got into? Um, give me the if in get if then versus cover two versus cover four. For stick. If I see you in that, I like a lot of fade outs because now now it's really simple. You just probably you'll put your apex back 
to the same side as the running back. So we'll, we would go to the field, the running back, so then you would have that apex, and now you've really isolated because you're a defensive guy. you got to have six in the box. That's how they all think. You know? mm-hmm. So you're going to have, if you're an even run, doesn't matter. You're going to have six in the box. Now you're really isolating that corner. So we'll run fade out, which is mandatory outside release by number one and a three-step out by number two. And hopefully I've taught my quarterback that you know it's too high, that corner's pressed or whatever, you're reading the corner. If he jumps the out, you throw the whole shot. We teach whole shots as butt shots. I have found that if you if you tell them to throw the shoulder, they aim for the shoulder and it goes way over their head. But if you aim for the butt, then it'll come up and go right at their shoulders. It's a little coaching point that I've mm-hmm. picked up on, so – you know, and then if if he throws it too high and your safety can come over and decapitate that guy, then you know it's like, hey, quarterback, that's on you. Well, I think uh, I think this comes into like how we're coaching um, outside of play. Like, so if I'm a corner and I'm I'm getting that combination, real common mistake a lot of high school corners make is they turn their back to the flat. So they'll yeah. they'll chase the reroute. They'll turn their back to the flat and the flat's open. So now second and six with room to run. You're probably first down a very short yard short yardage. Uh, third down if they do it the way i teach them then they will roll that mandatory release onto their back where they can still see the quarterback they can still see the flat developing and they'll probably release late which um how are you how are you teaching your quarterback to make that that uh that that mandatory out fade throw what are some of the coaching points to connect on that as the corner is kind of releasing um stay if you know it's too high and you can kind of tell based on the corners leverage and stuff like that just you know read the eyes just put your eyes on that that's a 16 year old 17 year old he's he's going to get green because he knows that's his responsibility right there either way even in cover four you know number two goes to the flat you got to jump him turns into cover two so put your eyes there and it's the no look pass you know where you want to go just put your eyes there make him throw and then just throw it right behind him mm. so there's You've that there's that game within a game that you're even telling your That's quarterback. It. you got to play the game. I mean, I can't. At the end of the day, the only thing I can do is put my guy on your guy, and hopefully my guy is coached up or is better athlete than your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not out there running running the stuff, you know. Uh, football does have a little bit more. I think football is a little bit easier to coach because we can call the plays and we can kind of put people in than basketball or, say, baseball because really that's a player's sport. But at the end of the day, everything's a player's sport. Hopefully we've coached them enough and gave them enough cues and repped it enough that they understand. But, I mean, I'm not the one throwing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I don't have a guy that's out there, it's like, well, you the, know, it doesn't matter what the defense does, we're screwed. Yeah, the, the other tough thing is it's, it's always to play. It's always tough to play the back out the backfield. So we're even if we're in cover two, if that, that back, who is not number two, if he's usually number three, um, we're, we're not even reading number three. So let's say the result of that play – my corner does a good job, carries the fade, um, so we end up with that flat open or the flare um, or the slant, you know, um, but no first down. We're in third and short now So because I've kept the canopy. I didn't give up the big play. That's kind of what I was looking to do. Um, so now we're in third and one to two situation, midfield. Do you stay in the spread? Why? What are you looking to do right yeah. now? I stay in the spread because I, I, I dance with the girl I brought. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not one of those coaches like yes because to me I, I hate coaches like that's very uh, hypocritical I believe in the spread until when it really matters and then I go under center foot to foot and do all that stuff 
if I believed in that, I should just do my offense like that and get great at that. Uh, a lot of people think I'm – I am more weird when it comes to just whatever it is you believe in, just believe in it. Don't be wishy-washy. Like be a fundamentalist and whatever it is that you believe in. You know, I mean, I know exactly what you mean. I I am an extremist. <laughs> I tell yes. I am an extremist for what I believe in. You know, that's that's a bad word for everything else. But I mean, you've you've kind of got to hand it to whatever religious fundamental ideology. If you got to give them tip of the hat mentally, like, hey, you, you truly, but like, you're willing to die for this. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a weird kind of messed upness mentally. But I think. If you look at the successful coaches, there are extremists when it comes to whatever it is, if they're defensive or offensive. They're like, this is what we do. If they stop it, oh well. Mm-hmm. But I'm not changing up just because of something else. And I think that's what you have to do and where a lot of coaches mess up. A lot of coaches are like, I want to run the air raid until it's – then I want to wing T short yards package. Uh-huh. It's like yeah, yeah. those are two conflicting ideologies. Like That's like saying, I, I, I don't know, I want to be – I'm a pacifist until someone pushes me, and then I'm all about pro war. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. those two things don't work together. All right, so you've um, we're right at the, about the fifty yard line now. It's third and one, uh, third and third and a long one. What's your play from the spread? Uh, I'd I'd likely um, bring pressure, and I play defense three downs at a time. So I'm not like third and one midfield. Let me go back to cover four. This is my chance to get you off the field. I don't want you to have another set of downs. So I'm. In my extremism, I'm probably bringing the house. What are what are you? Uh, my, my two calls. One, um, and this is I've worked for two head coaches that were defensive minded, so usually they like run the ball. So if they're telling me in the headset to run the ball, hopefully I have an RPO on. If not, my best play was always a slow screen tag to the, uh, to um, stick. So a slow running back screen to. Mm. I love that because that's that um that leaves you leaves you a little flexibility. Where if you see that Sam or that Will creep in, and I've I've been in trouble with this a lot, especially in spread teams where they're back on the ball and you, you usually have to declare things earlier because they're not in the huddle, right? They're kind of reading as you're seeing. It's really hard for young defenders to kind of wait and be patient and blitz on the snap or post snap. Um, so talk to me through through how you execute that play. Um, so usually I do it either. I, I really like it at a two-by-one motion to back out of the backfield. So then it's still stick to the front side, and then the running back will step up and then backpedal to the left. So we got stick to the right, uh, slow screen to the left, and I'm just telling my quarterback, can you throw the stick on some four-yard hitch? Yes, hit it. That's it on that side. You are only throwing the hitch. If not, then you'll back up, and then you look for the running back, and you just dump it off. And it was two years ago our best screen, like hands down. And we scored, we ran it eight times and scored six times on because no one – really sees that we, we've kind of gotten away from it. it's like no, you, you need to work on it it's, it's really good coach coach Mackey that, that was I think I think you got the first down I think I think you won that three down uh uh, uh series right there how, how can people follow you uh I, I really appreciate you coming on I want to I appreciate it. thanks for yeah, having me um you can follow me on Twitter coach Mackey Jr. M-C-K-I-E-J-R uh just you can also up on YouTube, just type in spread air raid, and I'm probably one or two videos from the top because that's the only thing I do. Man, that's powerful. Like, man, <laughs> I got the tag that just gets you right to to my content. Yeah. I, uh, l- lastly, what's your favorite uh, comic book? 
for a while, I was really hooked on um, The Walking Dead. Like, I got all the anthem. Like, I wait. To, I like. I can't stand the monthly stuff because I, I hate getting hooked and then just waiting. It's kind of the same thing with with uh, uh, TV shows. 